but we're going to start with the reading of the Word of God this morning, and we're going to continue our series, and we're going through Judges. We've been in Judges 13, 14, 15. Today we get to Judges 16, and we'll spend this week and next week in chapter 16 alone. We're just going to read six verses. If you didn't bring your Bible, it'll be up on the screen, or it's in your notes this morning. So glad to have you. And we're going to start in verse number one of chapter 16. So grateful and thankful to see you here this morning. The Bible says in Judges chapter number 16, verse number 1, Then went Samson to Gaza. Actually, can I back up to verse number 20? Verse number 20 of chapter 15, the Bible says, And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. 20 years. Can we just say out loud, Yay, Samson. There we go. Just kind of waking us up this morning. You say, why did we say yay, Samson? Hey, for 20 years, this guy did a great job, all right? For 20 years, he was faithful to God. For 20 years, he judged Israel like he was supposed to for 20 years. So good job, Samson. Now we come to chapter 16. Then Samson went to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in in unto her. Can we say, oh, no, Samson. How did he go from such a good spot to such a bad spot in just one verse? It's amazing, isn't it? How it can just happen that fast in our lives. How you're, you're living for God, things are going well, and then one verse, one click, something could happen, all right? Verse number two, and it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson is come hither, and they compassed him in and lay wait for him all night in the gate of the city, and were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up from the top of the hill that is before Hebron. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sork, whose name was Delilah thought I'd throw that in for all of you. You say, why do you do cheesy stuff like that? Well, because somebody here for the first time, they say, okay, this guy's all right. You know, he just kind of relates and everything. So here he is. He falls for this girl named Delilah. And that's where a lot of you uh, and I were pretty familiar with this story. All right. And I love just the way the verse six reads. Okay. Or ver- let's finish verse number five. The Bible says, the lords of the Philistines came unto her and said unto her, entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of us eleven hundred pieces of silver. And verse number six, and Delilah said to Samson, tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherein that mightest be bound to afflict thee. Now, I don't get Samson. You know, they talk about, you know, rose-colored lenses. You just kind of see the faults. Um, Delilah's pretty honest about her intentions. And I love the way the King James even puts it. Hey, I want to know where your strength is. Why, babe? I want to afflict you. That just doesn't seem like the makings of a great relationship, does it? But here, Delilah, from the very get-go, she does not have good motives. But yet, Samson loves Delilah, the Bible says, loves her. It didn't say he loved the harlot in the earlier portion, not even, didn't even say that he was in love with the woman he was engaged to be married to, but it does say he loves Delilah. And we're going to pick up this story and I've entitled this message simply, Watch Your Step. Would you touch the person to the left or to the right of you and say, Watch Your Step? 
watch your step. You say, why should I watch my steps? Well, that's the key to the message this morning, to watch your step. I worked on a ranch for five summers. We worked around. There was about 70 horses. And this term became near and dear. Watch your step around the horses because you never know what you just might step into. And so we're going to deal with a message entitled, Watch Your Step. And let's begin with a word of prayer. We need the Lord's help this morning. Dear Grace Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for our church. We thank you for your son and your son to die on a cross for our sins. I thank you for those that have come for the very first time. I pray that they would be able to take something from your word and apply it to their life and it would change their week. It would change the outcome of their decisions. I pray that it would really change the outcome of their lives if they would apply what your word says. I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would give me calmness. I pray that you would bless those that are here. Thank you so much. Many of them have already had just a, uh, a troubling time just getting here, maybe traffic or situations at home. And I just pray that right now you give them peace where they can focus in on the message. And I pray that you bring them quiet. I pray that you would just put a hedge of protection about us. I pray the, that the wicked one, he wouldn't have any power over this, this auditorium. Pray that we would see you work in great ways. We love you. We give you all the glory and honor and praise that is due your name. In Jesus' name and all God's people said... Amen. Thank you for standing for a long time. You may be seated. Thank you. Good to see you this morning. Welcome back to another week. We're in our series that's entitled Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire. And we're taking the old nursery rhyme and we're dealing with some truths out of this character of Samson. Because it wasn't that Samson went around lying to everybody else. That was not Samson's problem. Samson's problem was he lied to himself. That's who we lie to. And we brought up this statement that before I ever lie to God, I first lie to myself. Before I ever lie to a spouse, I first lie to myself. Before I ever tell my boss that lie, I first tell myself the lie. And we use one statement in particular. We said, the lies we believe will determine the life we experience. By the end of this series, I hope that thought just stays with you because it's not so much the lies that you may hear from an outside source that we believe, but it's sometimes the lies that we can deceive ourselves into believing that we need to be most careful about. And so we're back in the series, and this morning we're going to be looking at a very crucial part. But I want to just start off by saying, you know, I own a car. It's a 2006 Nissan Altima. And I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for the car. It was, a, uh, it was a blessing to have. I still own it. I still drive it. There's a problem with this car, though. It works just fine. It's, it's, it's a great car. It's very reliable. It gets me around. Um, but there's a problem with this car. You say, what's the problem? But before I get into the problem, let me preface this, because instantly, if I told you the problem, you'd say, well, well I know why that is. You're just a bad driver. That's why you have that problem. Now, um, most of you don't know this. I am a Class B CDL, passenger endorsed certified school bus driver. You say, do you drive for a school bus? No, I don't, but I have the classification. Why? Say, our last ministry, we did have a school, so I would drive for the school. So when it came to being safe, that's one of the things where we're all about. Not only did I have to go to the DMV to get tested and drive for them, I also go to the CHP. And they had a CHP officer ride with you in the bus, and they take you over this. They, you just go, you're tested as long as they want to make it. All right, the CHP officer is there. And if the tire rubs or bumps a curb, it's automatic failure. Now, your bus is 48 feet, okay? Have, is some of you, you know how to drive a trailer, so you're kind of used to it. But they like to take you downtown San Jose, and then they say you can't touch one curb. 
They, this was the hardest part of the whole test. So when it comes to safety, I'm big on safety, especially with driving and everything. So now that you know that, that, hey, safe driver, you know, and working with passengers. When I drive my Nissan Altima, though, I'll turn the blinker on to make the left-hand lane change. And I was doing so, and all of a sudden, I began to hear the honking, and uh, then somebody drove by me. They gave me a number one, that you're number one with the wrong finger, and uh, they just kind of drove up. And I was thinking, what happened? It's because in the Nissan Altima, the 2006 model, the left hand has a blind spot. It's just the manufacturer default. You say, no, it's your two shorts where you're sitting. I've adjusted it, all right? I've adjusted the mirrors. Anybody who drives the car, they say, man, you have a horrendous blind spot in that car. I'm saying, yeah, it's just the make. They fixed it in the newer body style. But man, that 2006, that body style has this huge blind spot where I don't mean to cut people off. And if I've ever cut you off, you know, that's why I promise you no church bumper stickers, okay? So uh, if I've ever cut you off, just let it go. Hey, it's the car, all right? But I begin to think about that and I begin to think about our lives. We have blind spots in our lives, don't we? That we don't even see. But people around us see it. And sometimes they do verbally or emotionally hit the horn, don't they? And then you get all upset, like, what did I do wrong? But we have a blind spot. And sometimes our boss might find it. Sometimes a spouse might find it. And sometimes the Holy Spirit helps you find it. Sometimes the Word of God shows it to you as well. And we're really talking about dealing with these blind spots in our lives because the worst thing would be continually go through life with this blind spot now that i'm aware of the blind spot in the car whenever i do a lane change it's look over to the shoulder it's look in the mirror it's wait it's checking behind you know it's rolling down the window staring behind me making sure then do the lane change i don't want to offend anybody i don't want to cut anybody off i don't want to mess up somebody's day and i certainly don't want to cause an accident But you know what happens when we leave these blind spots in our lives unchecked? We cause accidents. You say, how come I burned that relationship? Or how come that person no longer calls me? Or why did I lose that job? Or or how come that person no longer respects me? Or or what happened? We had a blind spot in our life that went unresolved. And we just said, well, who cares? They just need to have thicker skin and just kind of get over it. And sometimes that can be our attitude. And I know sometimes we need to have thick skin. But sometimes we also need to take a cold, hard look at our own lives and say, God, what about me do you want to change? We need to watch our steps. Because you and I, we could just go through life and we don't consider where we're going. We don't consider the direction of our feet. We need to watch the blind spots this morning. You see, I'm not going to, through this series, though, or through this morning's message, try to pull apart all your nuanced blind spots in your life. I'll leave that for Dr. Phil. I don't like to go through and say, okay, your parents didn't buy you that candy bar when you were four years old in the grocery store, and that's why you have this disorder, that problem. I think that's counterintuitive. That's counterproductive. I don't think it accomplishes much. Maybe you like Dr. Phil and you like uh, Oprah, but I'm not trying to criticize that. I'm saying this. Here's what. You can take all of Dr. Phil, all of Oprah, all the psychology, you can take it to Jeremiah. Jeremiah had it best. He said, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked who can know it. 
When we come to grips that the Bible tells us where the condition of our heart is, all of a sudden, I don't need to be looking under every rock and crevice to say, hey, why, am I, why do I have this problem? Why do I have this? Hey, we have a heart, folks, that's sinful. We're fallen man, okay? Hey, our founders, Adam and Eve, what, what did they do when they sinned? They hid it, didn't they? They went and hid from God. I mean, you think that's pretty silly. It's kind of cute when our little kids, they knew they'd do something wrong. They'll go hide. Um, we believe in capital punishment at our home, and so we have a wooden spoon. And I'm telling you what, Austin is getting adept at hiding that wooden spoon. So we have multiple wooden spoons. I find them all over the place, okay? But we have code. Some of you speak Tagalog. It's called a palo, okay? It's not a paddle. So we could say it in public, and that means spanking in Tagalog. And so he's now learned that, hey, no palo. I don't, don't, don't want the palo. So we'll say it in public. Hey, you want that palo, babe? And he'll say, no, 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 no. Don't want it. Don't want it. And he'll hide these things. Why? He knows his sin has consequences, so he tries to hide from the consequences of his sin or of his steps of his choice you and i we do the same thing but sometimes we do it not even aware that we're doing it sometimes we are but we must come to grips that our heart is deceitful the heart will deceive you you say well wait a minute i was watching a disney movie and there's not very good theology in a disney movie but all disney movies have one common thing they say this trust your parents trust your pastor trust the bible what is it church trust your heart heart wait a minute i'm not preaching against disney i love disney all right we take our kids to disneyland but we've got to recognize that that's a philosophy that the world today has just taken. It says, well, I was just following my heart. I've heard Christian counselors say it. What does your heart tell you to do? Not the heart. What does the word of God, what does the Holy Spirit teach you to do? What is, what is God impressing upon you to do? We are to be led of the Spirit, not be led of our senses, okay? But too often I meet people that we're not being led of the Spirit. We're just being led of how we feel today, all right? And I'm so thankful for people that though you may not have felt like coming to church, you're here. You're awesome. Praise God for you. You weren't being led of the senses that the bed was nice and cozy. You say, there was an earthquake last night and I got woken up at 3 a.m. I didn't get to rest and so um, I just need more sleep. So I'm going to kind of sleep in, you know, God will understand. So thank you for not giving into that temptation this morning. But there's a philosophy that says, hey, follow your heart. Well, that is the ultimate, and actually, that is existentialism. That's a really big word, but that's really where it comes from, okay? It's humanistic philosophy. It's humanistic thinking that's devoid of God. It's devoid of the Bible. So if everybody's following their heart, we should have mass chaos in this world, shouldn't we? If everybody's following their heart, we can't just all just follow our heart. We've got to say, what is the Holy Spirit? What is the Word of God teaching? So that's why I come back to this, because people, when they follow their heart, causes problems you say how does this connect to samson how does it connect all right let me ask you a question you ever heard this somebody says that person just fell into sin they had an affair they stole money thousands of dollars they 
had all these problems and they just did something. You just can't believe it. And you're like, what happened? And, and the nice sensitive way is to say, oh, that person just fell into sin is what happened. The problem is you and I never fall into sin. But that's what people would like you to believe. That you were just walking along, singing Jesus Loves Me, whispering a happy tune. You were just walking along, quoting Bible verses, just walking along. And all of a sudden, wham, Satan just, he forced you to sin. It's not how it happens. It's not how it happens. We commit sin by taking steps. How did Samson get to that place where he committed fornication with that prostitute. They said it's 52,000 steps from his home to where that prostitute was. 52,000 steps, 27 miles. That's a lot of steps. One after another, he stepped closer and closer and closer. You see, you and I, we don't just sin all of a sudden like, man, it just happened. No, it's a progression. And even if you don't know the person, but all of a sudden you find out about a sin, it's a slow progression. It just happens subtly. There's just a slow progression, and that's what happened in the life of Samson. But I can tell you how it happened. 20 years, he does a great job. For 20 years, he is fighting battles. He's kicking butt. For 20 years, he's leading the nation of Israel. For 20 years, he's walking with God. For 20 years, he's doing right. And after 20 years... He lets the guard down, church. He let his guard down. We've seen it. 20 years. Man, they had a good marriage. 20, 25 years. What happened? Man, 20 years. He was so faithful at the job. He was just there and all of a sudden, man, blew up at the boss. What? What happened? 20 years. Man, those kids, they were just doing so good. They were living at home. They were going to church. And all of a sudden, they just went off to college and they just changed. What happened? How did it happen? Nobody falls into sin. We just step towards it. One step at a time. So the key is to watch our steps. Just watch our steps. And that's the crux of this message. We're Samson. We're saying, Samson, you're doing so good. Let's just stop his life. If his life could have just ended right there. Excellent. Good job, Samson. But it doesn't. It doesn't. And neither does your life. I know it'd be great, wouldn't it? Once you get saved, all of a sudden, no more lust, no more sin, no more temptation. Life is easy. You don't lie. You don't think bad thoughts. You don't gossip. You don't steal. You don't do anything wrong anymore. Wouldn't that just be great? It's not reality, folks. It's not. We live in a fallen world and we have a sin-sick heart. Yeah, we're saved. We're on our way to heaven, but we still have a deceitful heart that still is trying to trick us into doing the wrong thing. And we're stepping towards that and we have to be aware of it and we can't ever just say, well, I'm going to let my hair down. I'm going to drop my guard. After all, I deserve it. Haven't we said that? It's been a long season at work. It's been busy. I'm going to take some time for myself. Ah, oh, man, it's, it's been busy. I'm going to take some time. And understand, church, we are all about you taking time for yourself. But understand this. When you take time for yourself, it doesn't mean you let the guard down. It doesn't mean. My family, we would always, growing up, we would always go on vacation. And I can remember, through living in my parents' house 18 years, one service we missed. One. It's pretty incredible. One service that we missed. 
We would take three-week vacations every summer, and we'd always plan the stops around church. Now, I'm not saying, hey, man, if you go on vacation, bless God, there better be a church there wherever you're at. You know, you might be in Antarctica. You know, that's not, not reality. But there's got to be this emphasis that you're saying, wait a minute, I want to make sure that I'm not drifting, that my steps are in line, that I'm not, I'm not slowly drifting away. Hey, a fire dies down by degrees, doesn't it? The fire doesn't just go out and poof, it's gone. No, the fire cools down by degrees, and so will your spiritual life. It'll cool down by degrees. And we have to be on guard of that. That's why it's subtle when a Christian could drift away. You just don't even notice it. You don't even notice it. That's why we're bigger here on the heart than we are the externals. It's all about the heart. The heart. Because if your heart is walk with God, if your heart is right with God, everything else will follow. We don't have to worry about everything else. When we have the heart, but guess what? The heart is the hardest one. That's the hardest one. See, Samson, he lets his guard down. He goes right to Gaza, and while he's there, boom, the Bible says he saw a woman. He just saw her. And the rest, as they say, is history. You see, I want you to understand this morning. I am what I am today because of the choices I made yesterday. Hey, how you got to where you're at is because of choice, whether positive or negative. That's why you're here today. A choice, a decision, a step. That's why you're here. For me, 2005, August, I took a step to go to breakfast at 6 o'clock on a Saturday, even though breakfast was until 7, and there was a Filipino girl that she was running by at the same time. I took a step, and that step forever changed my life because now that Filipino girl is just sitting right over there. It was one step. You say, man, you could have met somewhere else, maybe, but it was that step that I'll never forget. It was Easter Sunday when I stepped out and I pulled on my mom's sleeve at 14, tears in my eyes saying, hey, I'm not saved. One step. It was a decision in San Leandro, California in the month of January 2012, 2013. My wife and I, we stepped out and we surrendered to God to go plant a church in San Jose, California. It was a step. It was a step. Steps are powerful. Steps that you made yesterday are why and who you are today. You know, there used to be the old TV show called Knight Rider. Any of you remember that, the 80s TV show? Coolest thing about the show was the talking car, right? And all of a sudden, if you got too close to that car, what would it say, the robot voice? Step away from the vehicle. Step away from the vehicle. I wish I had that for life. You're on a diet. Step away from the cake. Okay, yes. (laughs) Step away from the TV show. Yeah, okay. Step away from that girl. Okay, yeah, yeah. Step away from that guy. Okay, all right. Step away from that place. Okay. But then the more I thought about it, I said, wait a minute, I don't need a robot voice. I have the Holy Spirit. Am I listening? Am I in tune? He's speaking. The robot voice is pretty cool. But not as cool as the Holy Spirit. Not as awesome if he wants to direct you. The Bible says in Psalms 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So he's speaking. He wants to direct you. But are we listening? You see, the Bible says in Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve: a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. 
You see, a foolish person won't heed the warning that, hey, where, wait a minute, where are my steps going? What direction am I going? But a prudent man says, wait a minute, I can see where this relationship's going. I can see this guy wants to go way farther than I'm prepared to go. I see that he wants way more than he's really willing to commit to. I see what this business deal is really going. I see that they don't really want to involve everybody. They just want me to sign here and not really know the details. Wait a minute. A prudent man foresees the evil. Wait, I can, I can see that this family situation, I can see what's really going on here. A prudent man foresees the evil. But the simple just says, oh, you want me to sign? Whatever, yeah, sure. I can't afford a new car. I'll sign away. 24% interest rate goes up. My double if I don't make the first payment, not a problem. Sign away. Oh, this guy, you know, he's got all kinds of problems, you know, and uh, uh, doesn't respect my body, you know, doesn't respect my parents. Yeah, let's go out. What can happen? You see, a step. I know we're getting really heavy into some deep stuff, and I apologize for that. I wish every sermon could just be like, man, you're the greatest, you're the best, charge hell with a squirt gun. But really, when you deal with this character of Samson, we've got to diagnose how did he get there. Let's pull back the onion layer by layer, and let's really dig into it, folks. Because I don't want us one day waking up and coming back and saying, Pastor Micaiah, how did I get here? You don't know this, but for the last several years, my wife and I, we've gotten those midnight phone calls, those early morning phone calls, people just crying on the phone. How did I get here? How did I get here? And at that moment, is not the moment that I'm going to say, I told you so, I promise I don't do that. But it's at that moment, you say, it didn't just happen, friend. Your steps got you there. Your steps. And this passage of scripture, Samson's life, I wish it was a heroic tale instead of a cautionary tale. I wish it just ended at chapter 15. I really do. This sermon would have been great if we just ended on last week. Last week, we were feeling good. We were on a spiritual high. Last week was awesome. You know, there's power over your past. I mean, that's just great stuff. That God can take your mistakes and turn them into miracles. That's what we like. But all of a sudden, chapter 15 came. And all of a sudden, I started to look at my blind spots. And all of a sudden, I got convicted. And all of a sudden, my spirit was heavy with the truth that, wait a minute, steps are powerful. You see, it's a decision that determines our direction. It's a decision that determines the direction of your life. One decision. That sets the direction, friend. And those decisions, we must make them with the most possible information. The Bible says, in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. The word of God is a source we need to go to. You're about to make a decision. Go to the word of God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Tune into him because you're making decisions. I've often heard Christians tell me that they're doing so good that nothing can stop them. That they're just invincible. That, that I've heard Christians say this, that Satan couldn't stop them. And a warning always goes off. Always. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, take heed lest you fall. That, yes, you can fall. That we have to be on guard. That when you get to that point, you think nothing can bring me down. Careful. Wow. You're on a precarious ledge here. Very easy to fall off. Very easy to make one wrong step. One wrong decision. 
Because it's a decision that'll then set your life's direction. Some of you, if you would just lift up your head and say, hey, where is this step taking me? And just really think about it. Think about the people you're around. Are they the type of people that say, man, how was your devotions today? Here's what God showed me. Here's how I'm praying. Hey, I love my wife. I love my husband. Or is it the type of people that I can't stand my wife? I can't stand my husband. Why? Because that, that, that'll affect your decisions. And your decisions will then put you on a direction. A direction that will create a divide. And I want you to understand something. We're all free to decide. God gave us a free will. You're all free to make your own decisions. God is not going to step in and make them for you. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, Behold, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose. God said, I left it up to you. It's your choice. The decision, the direction that you had, it's all your choice. Hey, guess what? I won't even make that choice for you. If you come to me, I will take the word of God and we'll talk about the decision. We'll talk about the choice. We'll talk about the direction. I'll be honest with you. I'll be real with you. But ultimately, you'll stand before God for the decision, for the direction that it'll take you. That's why my wife and I, we sit down and say, hey, wait a minute, what decisions are we going to make that because we know that they're going to affect Austin and Megan. It used to be that my decision only just kind of, they affected me. But then I got married and then they affected my wife. And then I had kids and now they affect my kids and now they affect the 70, 80 of you. My decisions, they affect others. And your decisions may affect those uh, uh, employees that are under you, those friends around you, or those neighbors and your family. Decisions are important. You're free to decide. So what's dictating your decision today? Can I tell you what was dictating Samson's? Then went Samson to Gaza. We don't know why, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt, shall we? Let's say he's going to be the judge, and this is Gaza. This is one of the five stronghold cities of the Philippines. I keep wanting to say the Philippines. I don't know why. Man, the Philistines. And he goes there, and let's say he has the intention of saying, hey, I'm the spiritual deliverer for the nation of Israel. I'm going to go and take out this city. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt that he went with pure motives. Okay? He goes with pure motives. But what happened to those pure motives? The Bible says, and he saw there in Harlan and then went in onto her. And then we don't have to get descriptive, but let's just say, uh, say that this does go rated R, this does go rated X. That's where the next step was. But first of all, it was just, he just saw her. That's what influenced his decision. It was a desire that dictated his decision. So what desires may be dictating your decisions right now? We'd get a bigger house if we move here. I'm not against a bigger house. We could have a bigger car if we just, you know, ponied up a little extra on the monthly. Hey, you know what? We could have this. We could live there. We could do this. If we would just do this. Our desires dictate our decisions. Not all desires are wrong. The Bible says, delight thyself in the Lord and he will give thee the desires of thine heart. Isn't that awesome? It's in the Bible, folks. Delight yourself in God. He'll bring those desires. He'll do it. Okay? But our desires dictate our decisions, so we often have to come back and check our desires. Often have to check them. Is this desire a God-ordained desire? Guess what? Not only are we free to decide, but get this. Once you choose, you don't get to decide the consequences. You have the free will to go on the ledge of this building, get up on it, and jump. 
you have the free will to do so. But you don't get to decide what happens to you once you jump. You say, I decide to fly. Wouldn't that be awesome? Sorry. You don't get to decide to go against the law of gravity. You say, well, well, I'm going to make this decision. Well, you don't get to make the consequences. Samson makes a choice to go to this harlot. He makes a decision to go and to be with Delilah. But did he get to decide that his eyes were going to be plucked out, his head was going to be shaved, and he was going to grind corn and become a lapping stock? He didn't get to decide that. He didn't. That's why it's important, our decisions. We don't get to decide the consequences. That's not up to us. See, we get to make our decisions, and then our decisions get to make us. We get to make our decisions, but then our decisions get to make us. So make good decisions. You make a decision, go to the gym every day, good decision. That decision will make you. You go to the, make a decision, say, hey, I am going to commit myself to having a strong marriage. That then will make and help your marriage. You say, I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to be early to work. I'm telling you that will please the boss. You say, I'm going to make a decision to uh, uh, love my kids and train them up to love God and serve God. That's a good decision. Are we making those good decisions? That'll help us. Hey, I used to take trumpet lessons. I wish I would have stayed with that decision because now I would have been able to play the trumpet. Today, if you would hear me play the trumpet, you would say, what are you trying to do? Call mooses, mating season or something? This is terrible. Stop it, please. It's awful. But I wish I would have stuck with that decision. Would have changed a lot of stuff. Hey, I told you the story how I took Taekwondo for two days. Kind of wish I would have stuck with that. See the decisions? See how they make? But it happened so sudden. The Bible says, then went Samson. Almost as if like one day. Sounds really familiar to another Old Testament character in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter number 11. The Bible says it was a time of year where the kings went to war. Some of you know where I'm going with this. But David tarried, the Bible says. And at night, he goes up on the roof of his palace. And at night, he sees a woman bathing. And she was very beautiful, the Bible says, to look upon. A look, a decision. Did David get to decide that that child that happened out of wedlock was going to die? No. Did David get to decide that God was going to judge his kingdom and people were going to die? No. He got to make his choice. He didn't get to make the consequences. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to say, watch your steps this morning. Where are your steps going? Because I don't want to get a phone call where it says, man, I just didn't watch my steps. I don't want to hear about, man, it it brings me no joy to hear about when somebody slips or falls or sins. It brings me no joy. It grieves me. It hurts. When you hear somebody that you care about, you loved, and man, now that they're, They're not in church. They don't love God anymore. I don't say, yeah, serves them right, dirty, rotten Christians. Breaks my heart. I want to say, what happened? How could I have helped? Hey, get this. I'm a softy, man. Two weeks ago when uh, Robin Williams passed away of suicide, I said, man, he was just right there. No hope. You think, man, what, what could we have done? When you hear the news of somebody getting shot, when you hear something, our heart should say, oh, I just wish I could have been there to help them make a dis- different decision. So it's a decision that determines the direction of, uh, the, a decision that determines our direction. And then it's a direction that determines our destination. 
And we won't spend long there. But this message is kind of different. I kind of preached the first half, and that's really one separate message. And now we're going to kind of switch gears and preach another message. I hope you're all right with that. It's a twofer, okay? You get two for the price of one. Great, isn't it? Don't you love coming to church? It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. You guys are so convinced. I said, don't you love coming to church? He goes like, ah. man, I'm glad you guys feel as good as I do about being here. Maybe somebody else should uh, come up here or something. See, it's the direction that determines our destination. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And then it's decisions that ultimately determine our destiny. So if it's a decision that determines my direction and my direction determines my destination, that ultimately my destiny is determined by one decision. That's ultimately what it is. A series of steps determines my destiny. Some of us, we want to break out the Christian life and say, man, I could never fast for 40 days. Probably not, but could you do it for one? Probably. I could never read the whole Bible through. Maybe not right now, but could you read a chapter? I could never lead anybody to the Lord. Maybe not, but could you invite somebody to church? Oh, I could never serve there. Okay, well, can you help pack things up afterward? Start smaller. Don't look at the whole thing. Say, what can I do? If a decision will ultimately affect my destiny, then it's these small decisions. Hey, nobody ever just blew up one day and they're muscular and physically fit. It was a process of decisions. Habitual decisions. Good habit upon habit upon habit that formed them and made them into the person that they are. You look at somebody and you envy something about them, maybe their job or their physical physique or something about them that you just think, man, look at how successful they are. I will tell you, it did not just happen. It was a series of decisions. You look at a spiritual giant that you look up to. They didn't just wake up one day and they were just kind of, man, God just blessed them. Some supernatural blessing. I'm not worthy. If the lights go out, we can light the room with your halo. No, that's not how it happened. They made a decision to walk with God. That's a decision each and every one of us need to make. That we say, I will determine that I will walk with God. So if it's decisions that determine our destiny, if it's steps, what what about our steps? You know, I'm scared that there are parts of my life that don't scare me. You say, what do you mean? Sometimes I'll do something in the flesh, in the flesh. And it scares me that I'm not bothered. Have you ever had that realization? That you can snap at one of your kids over spilled Kool-Aid. And you just yelled at them, just let them have it. And then you're like, that didn't bother me. When I hated it growing up when my parents would do it to me. Hated it. And yet here we are. We're not even affected by it. You see, there's two very helpful keys. I don't know if you computer geeks out there, maybe you'll, you'll know this. Whenever I'm typing, there's my two favorite keys. You say, what are they? Central plus Z or control Z. You say, what does that do? It deletes whatever my last action was. Whatever I typed, control Z just deletes it. It's awesome. I love it. If I misspell something, if I'm working on a design that I don't like, I just want to scrub it, control Z, deletes it. Just gone. Don't even have to worry about it. I don't have to go up to edit, undo, 
Some of you, that's, that's, that's your route. It's, you're working on word processing. You go up to edit and undo. And you say, man, I, I don't like what just happened. There. I'm going to edit, undo that. I just control Z that. And sometimes I wish I could do that in life. I say something. Oh, man, if I could just control Z that, get that back. Asking a lady, when's the baby due? What baby? Oh, <laughs> bye. I'll, I'll be back later. It's just awkward. How do, you, how do you come back from that? You know? We used to have this game. We worked at a camp for years. And um, there'd be somebody who would say, hey, ask them about their grandfather. Ask him how he won. And this naive girl would say, hey, I heard about your grandfather. That he's really famous. And then you would, you would act like you'd cry and just get, get him going. you just, my grandfather died in the war. And it's totally fake. It's not true, but you just get these people going. And man, they just believe it. And they're just, just devastated by it. And they feel so awkward. It, it, it's a terrible game to play, you know, on people. But uh, you get them believing this lie and you start working them. And, 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 and sometimes that's, that's life for us. Where you just feel like, man, I wish I could undo that. And maybe you felt like this. But you know what? A bad decision can never be undone. That's the reality. It can't. But it can be redeemed. It can be redeemed. You say, what do you mean this term redeemed? And let me break it down. Like I said, it's almost like a two-part message. Because now we're going to talk about reversing the regret. Because here's Samson. He's making a decision. He's made this horrible decision, but notice something that happens. Verse number three, and Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight. Why midnight? Why in the middle of the night does he wake up? Why in the middle of the night does he come to his senses? He knew what he was doing was wrong. He caught himself. Yeah, that's it. Nothing deep. He said, wait a minute, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And then the Bible says he goes and takes the gates of the city. He said, well, what's significant about that? There's, there's no big deal about that. He, folks, you forget that the Bible says he carried it to a hill in Hebron. Hebron from where he was in Gaza to where Hebron was. It's 40 miles, this gate weighed anywhere from 700 to 900 pounds. So once again, the Spirit of God comes supernaturally upon Samson. He picks up the gates of the city and he sets it on Hebron. You say, where's Hebron in Israel? So all the Israelites could see. There's the gates of the enemy. He had some regrets. But he didn't let those regrets finish him off. That's where I'm going. You may be this morning, you may have had some steps that led in the wrong direction. You can't change that, neither can I, even if we wanted to. Maybe your steps are in a good direction. Praise God, keep going, keep the guard up, okay? Don't let your guard down, all right? But what if you're saying, sitting here this morning saying, there have been some things. There was uh, the divorce. There was the ab- abortion. There was these tough things in my life. And I regret it. How do we deal with the regret? How do we overcome those? How do we reverse it? Yeah, there we go. Hey, Chris, can you go check on that for me? Okay, excellent. Praise God. I'm sure they'll kill it. Got a little competition this morning. It's all right. They took the wrong steps. See what I mean? There are small regrets, big regrets, and then there's epic regrets. Samson, he's going to fall into that later on. But I want you to see here, how do you reverse it? How do you get it to go back? How do you change the situation? You've got to return to where you're supposed to be. You've got to get back to that point where you say, hey, how did I go wrong here? 
Samson, the Bible says, he woke up at midnight. He returned to himself. He came to himself and said, hey, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And he picked up the gates of the city and he marched off with it. He returned back to get this, his role, his purpose. What are you supposed to be doing the whole time? What was David's problem? The Bible says that David was supposed to be going to battle in the time of kings. But what was David doing? Not doing what a king should be doing. You and I get into trouble when you and I are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. It's that simple. It's not rocket science. It's you and I have to say, wait a minute, I got to return to the role that God called me to. God called me to the role of a father. God called me to the role as a businessman. God called me to the role as a spiritual leader. And I'm going to get back to those roles. I'm going to return there. And Samson said, I'm going to return. I'm not going to let this regret uh, destroy me. And some of you this morning, that's where you need to start. Return back to the role. Return back to that point where you say, God was speaking. I was doing right. Return back to that. Maybe there was a time where you said, hey, here's the Bible reading plan. I was going through it and God was speaking to me. Get back to that. Maybe there was a place where you prayed, get back to that. Maybe there was a person that encouraged you in the Lord, get back to that person. Hey, return to the role, but not only that, recover. He said, what do you mean recover? You see, I told you that he picked up the gates of the city, didn't I? You know what's awesome? As you start reading the Bible, and I love reading the Bible. The Bible's not boring. Genesis 22, God makes a promise to the nation of Israel. Let me read the promise for you. It says this, that in the blessing, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and the sand, which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall, get this, possess the gates of the enemy. You say, what was, what's the big deal about that? That was to show an enemy that you had utterly defeated them. You had conquered them. You owned them when you took the gates of their city. You say, well, well, yeah, preacher man, but that's Old Testament. I live, you know, I'm, I'm in a different dispensation. Excellent, I'm glad you brought that up because the Bible has another verse. Isn't the Bible awesome? There's so many good verses in there. Here's another one. I got this, I was reading. It says Matthew 16, verse 18. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Wait for it. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against thee. Wow. You say, I got regret. And God says, it doesn't matter. God says, your role is to take the gates of the enemy and you're going to conquer them. He said, but that command was given to the church. Guess what? The church is definitely not a building, okay? This, this is definitely not a building. It's a church. The church is the people. You and I, mistakes, sins, regrets, and all. And God says, your role, your task is to take the gates of the enemy and that enemy being the gates of hell, the wicked one, and redeeming it. You say, well, how do I get there? I said, you have to return. I said, you also have to recover. But then it all starts with one word, repent. Repent. And this is a hard word for us. You say, what does repent mean? To agree with God about my sin. You're not going to hear a lot of preaching about repentance today. Most people just want to just say, you know what? It was a failure. It was bad. Sorry, don't do it anymore. Most people don't talk about repentance. And repentance is not beating yourself up, church. It's not, woe is me, I'm a failure. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is this, and I love this definition. You're going to want to write it down. It's so good. It's this. Regret is looking backward. Repentance is moving forward. 
Your regret always causes you to look backward. But repentance is moving forward beyond the regret. Don't get lost in the regret. Repent of it. The Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. All. Repent. That's where it starts. When you and I will repent, God says, okay, now I can restore the role. I can get you back to that point. You say, I'm still struggling here. There's a good old song. It's called Calvary Covers It All. You say, what do you mean? The words of the song says, my past with its sin and shame, my guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there. Calvary covers it all. Whatever the regret, whatever the sin, whatever the wrong step, God says, I covered it. His blood shed for us, covered it. Past, present, and future, it's covered. So once we repent, we can move on and we can return to that place that we're supposed to be and we can recover that spiritual momentum. Samson, he recovered that spiritual momentum. He picked up the gates of the city. God supernaturally came upon him and he went back to Israel and Israel cheered and clapped and said, we have victory over the Philistines. And once again, I wish it would have ended right there. But then Samson loves a woman in Sorek named Delilah. And that destroys everything. Spoiler alert. Samson dies because of this woman. I'm going to give you a little spoiler. Sometimes they call this Easter eggs. I didn't know that. You can look in different things. I didn't know in every Mac computer there's this Easter egg. And it's an Easter egg. I just found this out. It's one of Steve Jobs' speech. If you hit a certain key command, a speech of his that he gave at Stanford will pop up. I didn't know that. I found it this week. It's pretty cool. It's hidden in every Mac computer, every Apple device. It's a speech from Steve Jobs called the Easter egg. So I'm going to kind of put an Easter egg in the word of God here this morning, okay? A little surprise, a little kind of get you going for next week. When Satan wants to destroy your destiny, he first starts with your identity. That's what we're going to start with next week. You say, why did they pluck out his eyes? Why did they shave his head? Just because, man, it's what you do. It's like in the rule book, bro. No. Why did they make him grind mill? It was not a common practice. Because when the enemy wants to destroy your destiny, he steals your identity. All throughout scripture, that's the tactic of Satan. So how do we protect it? How do we go on from there? Next week, we'll come back. We'll study some more. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We'll ask the pianist to come.